Cinemodies, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are continuing along with our pure Cinemodities series, in which... Everything we discussed this month, we are giving it up right off the bat. You don't have to wait the hour and a half to two hours to hear us decide if it's a cinemodity or not, or debate whether it is. We're just going to go ahead and say, yes, it absolutely is. And we have a, an interesting one this week, because this is a pure cinemodities that Rob had never seen prior to calling it a pure cinemodity. So I guess the good way to put this is it's Zach's choice. And since it is, as such, a Zach's choice, would you like to introduce what we're discussing this week? Well, folks, we've got another Natalie Portman film from the year 2018, Annihilation. I want on record, folks, every single time we say the word Annihilation, I'm going to insert the Annihilation sound. <laughs> that little music that little music bite that they play constantly throughout this film <laughs> oh it's it's so funny like i could have sworn they played it a lot more because mm-hmm. like when i rewatched it recently i was shocked at how little it played oh okay i picked up on it a few good times like the first time i watched this movie then like after i came out it's like oh i was like singing in my head and it's, <laughs> not singing it's like it's all i kept hearing it's like anytime like, I, like it's like oh and yet, like, when I watched it, I've only seen this movie twice. Yeah, the second time, like, like every three seconds, I'm going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and it wasn't happening. I'm like, did, did they alter it from, like, the theatrical <laughs> experience to, like, the home video release? And then, like, the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie, that's all it is. Like, there's nothing but that sound. Yes, yes, definitely. So I guess before we get into too much of the sound and visuals and, and what, what this movie is about... I do want to say, Zach, that even though now I've only seen it once, I am in complete agreement. This is absolutely a pure cinemodity. But I figured since you picked that, there's no way you could have thought I was going to say otherwise. (laughs) Well, the weird thing, again, more context for our audience, is that, like, as everybody knows now when it comes to me picking things, it goes through multiple iterations. Because originally this week we were going to be doing um, Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like what we agreed upon for the longest time, going back to even like before the Avengers Endgame series. And then like a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, Raw, I don't think I told you. You're like, I guess we're doing Annihilation now. <laughs> Yeah, I think I texted you and I was like, so is this going to change or should I watch this movie? <laughs> Pretty much. That's how I do the Rob. I just change things and hope he notices. But uh, no, so like I, I remember I saw this back when I saw it when it first came out, like in February of 2018. It was like right as we were kind of developing Cinemodities before like we'd published any episodes. And I remember like telling Rob, he's like, how was it? And I'm like. This is something we'll probably end up discussing at some point, <laughs> but like I just don't know exactly how I feel about it. And then, like it's a, it was a weird movie, but I remember being bored like while watching a lot of it. But then, like I, I, around Black Friday, it showed up as like a Black Friday deal on like Best Buy's website. I'm like, oh, I bought it, 
And then, like, I let it sit in the cellophane, and I'm like, mm-hmm. do I really want this? Like, I, I don't remember really liking this. I actually, like, I, almost, I, I literally brought it to the store, and as I'm about to get out of the car to return it, I just left it in the car and did not take it with me. And I'm like, I'm going to hang on to it. I'm like, it's weird. It's weird sort of, like, back and forth. never been so wishy-washy over a movie before. Then, like, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I'm going to rewatch this movie. And I think it had something to do with the idea that... um. Because at that point, I knew I was going to do Under the Skin as the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but feel like maybe this has something that kind of ties into Under the Skin in a way. And then I rewatched it, and I'm like, oh, okay. I like Reanimator. I really do. But this is so unique in its own way. Yes. That, like, I, it, it, again, it, I think in a weird way, you can almost make Under the Skin an Annihilation. <laughs> A double feature of sorts because just like they're, they're they're two very different films, but they both feel similar. I yeah, I, I agree with you there for sure. And yeah, and that's pretty much like my context behind this. Be, like, besides getting into the movie itself, sure. So I have to ask because of of the the version that I had. Did you say that you saw this in theaters? Yes, I saw this. Uh, yeah, in, in actual movie theater. Okay. Um, the version of the movie that I had began, like the very first thing you see on the file is the Netflix logo that they only put put in front of their own stuff. Did this ever, did this get released in Netflix in some places? Do you know? Yeah, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a story behind this. This was a controversy back before this came out was cause, okay. The director of this is Alex Garland. People like worship the ground he walks on. I think he's a third-rate director. I do not hmm. like. Like he made Ex Machina, and I've wa- I remember like people raving about that movie. And I think in 2015 when that came out, or maybe 2016, I forget when. And I remember like oh, everyone was like, "Oh, this is like a masterpiece. It's like like the best like sci-fi film since The Terminator." And I'm like, don't say things like that. You ruin <laughs> movies when you make like, claims like that. It's like claiming a movie is the best. Ho- I'm sorry. It's like saying. It's the best horror movie since The Exorcist. You are just screwing the movie over at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't say things like that. So like I watched Ex Machina and like I'm like, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, it's the most predictable movie ever. There's really nothing unique about it. And I and so like he's not a very commercial filmmaker. I think, yeah, he's only directed two films, Ex Machina oh, okay. and Annihilation. <laughs> And like he's he's written a bunch of stuff. Like he he wrote Dread. Ooh, the, the one with um, uh, what's his name? Urban. Yes, he did that. Nice. Great movie. He, uh, he wrote Twenty Eight Days Later, the zombie movie. Okay. He did, and I think he wrote the novel The Beach, Leonardo mm. DiCaprio's The Beach, which is I think we all agree. Well, that's another cinematic that we'll never get to. <laughs> uh, but no, he's done things like that. And so, like, when I heard about this movie, I saw the trailers. Like, it looked weird. And the reviews kind of did exactly what you'd expect. People were like, oh, man, this movie's going to, like, like freak you out, man. This is going to, like, challenge the way you look at the world. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like Ex Machina, though. <laughs> like, I really don't like that movie. And people were like, like, it's, like I think the, re- the main, like, thing in the reviews for this were like, oh, it's really good, but it's not Ex Machina good. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's a weird thing. Like, I, I hate that movie. And this is apparently not as good as that. So I'm like, does that mean I'll like it more or I'll hate mm. it more? It's a weird sort of like you're caught in between the two. And so, like, but the, the controversy was, was that, like, this is a movie, like, released by Paramount. And if you know anything about Paramount, the studio, like, in the last, like, few years, they haven't had a hit in, like, 
oh god, I can't think of the last time they had a hit that was like a genuine <laughs> like like hit with a capital H. Okay. And so like this came out in February, and they were they they were they wanted to basically cut the movie or not they they wanted to cut the movie down because this is a co-production with Skydance, which is like a weird sort of like. Okay, how do I describe Skydance? Skydance is kind of like a J.J. Abrams bad robot production company where like okay. they do fi- they do very pulpy thi- like very like pulpy popular things. Like the last like they did they did Terminator Genesis. They were they did that. Um I'm trying to think of other movies they've been involved with. But a bunch of things like that. And apparently the studio was like or I'm sorry, the studio along with the producer from Skydance was like, this movie's too weird. You have to you have to you have to clean it up. Like you have to either edit things out or we need some expository dialogue to explain things. It's too abstract. And the director did Alex Garland did not have final cut. But another producer had final cut And the other producer Sided with Alex Garland and said No we're not going to cut or edit Anything like we're not gonna we're not gonna water This down Mm -hmm. and It got released pretty much as is but the thing Was Paramount was kind of looking at this being like We are going to take a bath on this Mm -hmm. So the thing Was we're going the agreement they made Was we'll release it theatrically In the US but we're Going to release it exclusively on Netflix in every other territory. Oh, okay. And by U.S., I mean like North America. I mean Canada, yeah. Canada, and the U.S. So pretty much, like if you lived outside of like North America, you only watch this on Netflix or home video. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So it was a distribution strategy thing. Pretty much. Now, that was like a big, co- well, a big controversy in the film community because it was like, oh. European audiences will eat this up in a theater, whereas American audiences could be like, "What?" and just mm. and like they're going to ignore this. Sure, sure. And that kind of, and that became like a weird sort of thing where like like Netflix that because that was just, I think this was right after the Cloverfield paradox where okay. that got dumped on the Netflix because like like again that was another Paramount movie. Paramount's the Cloverfield Studio, uh, and it was the idea that like Netflix was becoming a dumping ground. It was like, okay, we're not going to make any money off this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened with, like, um, I think it was Clover- It was either this or Cloverfield Paradox that Netflix wrote, like, Paramount a check for $50 million. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And that's what it was. So it was like, okay, we, we get rid of the liability and we don't have to spend money, like, advertising it. Yeah. And okay. that's where, and that's where the kind of the stigma of Netflix becoming a dumping ground was kind of, that's when it really started, like, harden. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, because when I started playing it and it said Netflix, I was like, Zach recommended a Netflix movie to me? I didn't know he like saw any of these, you know, but now I understand completely. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, that that will never happen. I will never <laughs> recommend a Netflix. There's no such there's no such Netflix and good in the same sentence as a contradiction. We're not gonna do Bright Bright Box. <laughs> oh god. No, no, that's two different movies. There's the Bright is the Will They're Smith all the same, one. Zach. They're all the same. <laughs> If if literally one starts playing whether you like it or not after you finish the other, they're the same movie. <laughs> they're the same movie, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, okay. Interesting. I did, uh, now I know the story behind it. So I I uh, I like that you said or brought up that this is a double feature or could be a double feature with Under the Skin because just like in Under the Skin, I described that it was very loosely based off of a of a novel. So is Annihilation. Did you know that, Zach? Uh, yes, I did. This time I actually, I didn't know that a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Now I do. Okay, right on. 
I, I definitely think the differences between the book and the movie are very interesting. The book actually seems really intriguing, the way it's set up, but I don't think it's worth getting into the differences until, as I'm sure you want to do, Zach, give a little bit to the audience of what this movie is about, right? Because I'm assuming not a lot of people have seen it. No, by looking at the grosses, hardly anyone has seen this. <laughs> just the Netflix people that, you know, fell asleep half an hour into it because they just, you know, saw Jennifer Jason Leigh's performance and she was like, oh, she's going to fall asleep. I'll fall asleep, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I wish I, I wish you were wrong, but. <laughs> so but... Um, I guess very, very basically, uh, it's about a, a all-female scientist team that has to explore a giant alien bubble. Or prism, I guess is how they describe there it. There you the go. Movie. You, there you go. You've explained the entire plot of the movie in one sentence. And uh, and stuff goes weird. I don't know necessarily wrong, but stuff goes weird is a good way to put it. I think you know. Usually, I say you know, I'll set up, I'll describe a movie to someone, I'll give them a sentence or two, and then I'll say like, oh, and then action ensues or comedy ensues. But this movie is definitely like they go into the bubble. And then weirdness ensues. And it's good weirdness. I guess I should say, as we get into this, I did thoroughly enjoy this movie. I found it a cinemodity, but I was also hooked for like the almost the full two hours that it played for. Yeah, this is this is a weird movie. Like it's like this is one of those ones where it's shocking it actually got released into a theater. Mm-hmm. Like whereas like there's like two types of like, like okay. I think it goes without saying this point, and the Avengers Endgame experiment hopefully reinforces this point, is that like movie theaters are solely going to be where you go see Avengers, Star Wars, Aquaman, yes. and like the Pixar movies. Like that's like, Disney's going to end up owning the theaters inadvertently. They're not going to have to write a check. They're just going to own them. And things like then we have things that like make it into theaters that are like still haven't caught up with the times. Like what was that movie that we saw the ads for? Um, during Avengers, like pom poms, where it was like oh, Diane yeah. Lane, like creates like like a nursing home cheerleader team. Yeah, <laughs> and and again, and that's for grandma and grandpa that haven't figured out that like blockbusters been out of business for ten years, mm-hmm. and that Netflix exists. Then we have like things that are like after that we saw where it's like it's clearly a thing made for Hulu. Yes, except def- the except the filmmakers and the producers didn't figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> and that, it, ended and up, is, it ended up being shown in a theater in upstate New York where three 20-something-year-old guys went to saw it and were the only yeah. people watching it. <laughs> and laughed hysterically throughout all 90 minutes of it. And then like you have things like this where it's like, I don't get how this gets released in theaters. Like This is something like even like 20 years ago. Like It'd be kind of like, like a, I guess with the rest of... Uh, pure pure cinemati series it's like oh this was released in theaters at one point like mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because like as i was watching this i had this very unique phenomenon happen or i guess it's not unique like i do this a couple of times like when i watch movies at home i'm like what would it must have been like to have seen this in a theater sure. and two of my prime examples of that is that like, i would love to have seen borat opening night okay like i see like borat like like the friday it opened it like like seven o'clock. Be with that audience yeah. at that point. Nobody knew. Whoa, wow! Like nobody knew what that was. Like be like really on the ground floor. And then something like The Departed. Like that would have been a great movie to see with like a like a big crowd opening mm-hmm. night because mm-hmm. you have like that shock value of like oh my god what's gonna happen next. And as I was watching this, I kept saying to myself, "Wow, what must have it been like to see this in a theater?" And then I and I said, "Oh wait." I saw this in the theater. 
and, and that happened at least three times while I was watching this. And I'm like, why am I keep much like Natalie Portman in the group of, of scientific researchers in this? I kept forgetting that I experienced this in a theater. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I'm glad you bring that up because I actually um, had a similar thought while watching this movie. I, I was kind of like, oh, man, not really. What would it have been like to see it in a the theater? But thinking more of how cool it would have been to see it on a bigger screen, because there's some there's some wide shots of some of the 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 bubble or the shimmer, as it's called in the movie, where, you know, all this genetic mutation stuff is happening and it just looks so cool. And just like I said, way back when when we recorded our Gremlins 2 episode, which had to be over a year now, um, I said that Gremlins 2 made me think my TV was too big because some of the close-up shots of the Gremlins. <laughs> this movie made me think my TV was too small because I really wanted to see some more of these shots, these wide shots in in a bigger scale. So I, I definitely had that same kind of sensation. And then also there's a scene that I, I would have loved to have seen in the movie theater, which we'll have to get into more, but where there's the animal that screams human scream. <laughs> I would have loved to hear that on a surround sound system. But that's okay. And this is why I, I do want to be this kind of like a cornerstone part of the talking about this is that when I first saw this, mm -hmm. I did not really like, I didn't think it was that unique because like, as I was watching it, right. I felt like everything in this I had seen before, like nothing in this movie really shocked me. Mm -hmm. Like I remember, I remember sitting in the theater during the end part where we get out, when we have a uh, Natalie Portman and her doppelganger and uh, like kind of like our like i said last week in fact having a, a a featureless doppelganger interacting with our female uh protagonist amber sitting that goes on for, i remember being into this being bored i'm like how much longer is she gonna keep moving and this okay. thing mirrors her i'm like get on with it already like i remember just sitting there sure. being bored and as I rewatched it the second time, like a couple of months ago, not a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, oh man, this is great. Like a couple of times I was watching this. I think I was watching it at night and I was getting weirded out while watching this. I'm like, this is weird. Especially oh, yeah. like, like we talked about the, the creature that has uh, the human screams. And I'm like, this is a weird ass movie. Then like, even when they go into the, um, okay, what's it? The army base. And they find the the guy from the video, but they find the aftermath of him, uh, of him. He's like a Jackson Pollock Picasso painting, like spread across like a, a three story wall with like all this like weird like calcium stuff growing all over him. And I'm like, how on earth did I not appreciate this? Interesting. Okay. And the that, only that dude that you mentioned in particular, my note on that was I was like, oh my god, if that if the shot of this dude like you know melded into the wall or whatever. If this is not the album cover for some death metal band yet, it will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean, though. Like, and so, like, as I was watching this a second time, I've kind of come to the conclusion that and I, I think I should point out that when I saw this, I saw it the same theater that we saw the Avengers Endgame experiment in. Okay, but but clearly this was not the big. Obviously, Annihilation <laughs> did not get the big theater. This <laughs> Annihilation. <laughs> came out in the wake of black panther okay so there was not maybe if black panther didn't come out annihilation being the new movie of the week might have gotten one of the big theaters which i would have loved mm -hmm. but i did not get that and okay. i'm starting to think that maybe the reason why i did not like this in the theaters that maybe because considering this is such a a, a visually weird film that requires proper lighting yes 
what's the word calibrated lighting and calibrated sound Mm. i'm thinking that maybe the theater wasn't calibrated properly oh so like you couldn't the the lighting is a really good point the lighting is a really good point because there were some times where I was like, man, I need to put sunglasses on for how bright this movie is. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think that's kind of the reason why this didn't resonate with me. Is that I probably couldn't see half the things that were going on or I wasn't seeing them in the ideal way that the movie wants me to be seeing them. You know what? That's that's a good point. That's a, that, I'm glad you bring that up. And that certainly could be the case for your movie going experience. Um I, I do want to say that I agree with you, though, on the fact that even while I was watching this for the first time, and like I said, I you know I thoroughly enjoyed it, I was enthralled, I definitely did get that sense that it was stuff that I had seen before. It maybe, you know, reminded me of other things, um, like specifically in kind of the last chunk of the movie where Natalie Portman, you know, right before she gets the featureless doppelganger or whatever, and they do their whole thing where they, like, Jennifer Jason Leigh explodes into light and then turns into... It, it's it's the start of a tool music video. That's what it made me think of. That this was just like a big tool music video with some of like the the swirling imagery and the 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 copycat featureless creature and things like that. And I was like, oh, you know, okay, we got some tool music video or odd sack maybe. And so I definitely did get those those kind of senses where I was like, okay, you know, this is something I've I'm familiar with. I saw the ending, like the very ending, when Oscar Isaac's and uh, what's and Natalie Portman talk to each other in the the base. The very ending I saw coming from miles away. Like, so I'm with you there that there's definitely isn't really new material, but the way they put it together and the way that they give us things with the visuals, it is that's what kind of makes it more unique to me is kind of how everything gets put together. And also the fact that there's just an insane amount of flash forwards and flashbacks. <laughs> well, I think that's part of the thing too is that it's trying to discern like what is what is real. What is part of the effect the Shimmers having having on mm-hmm. them? And it's kind of like all in between. Because it is – this this isn't really a narrative-driven story. Definitely. Definitely. Because, like, again, to give a little bit more of a plot breakdown, is like the film begins where Natalie Portman is in some sort of, like, mourning because Oscar Isaac, who's in this, I don't think we've mentioned, really. And, like, he's oh, apparently – The beginning of the movie sold me. Like, the first few minutes – because we get the we get the the stupid establishing shot that they always it's like the beginning of the thing where a spaceship crashes into the Arctic and it's like why do we need to know the thing is from space the beginning of this movie something crashes into the lighthouse and it's it's that's the beginning of the shimmer we get that but then the next thing we get is Natalie Portman on what has to be the first day of class because she's uh. giving the most vapid speech about cells I've ever heard she's like this is a cell cells can reproduce. From other cells, they form life, and it's like, who is she teaching? Like one-year-olds, and then it's like, in med school, we have to study the cell, and I'm like, okay, this has to be the first day of class. This is a cell. Like all cells, it is born from an existing cell. And by extension, all cells were ultimately born from one cell, a single organism, alone on planet Earth, perhaps alone in the universe. About four billion years ago, one became two, two became four, then eight, 16, 32. The rhythm of the dividing pair, which becomes the structure of every microbe, blade of grass, sea creature, land creature, and human. The structure of everything that lives 
and everything that dies. As students of medicine, as the doctors of tomorrow, this is where you come in. The cell we're looking at is from a tumor. Female patient, early 30s, taken from the cervix. Over the course of the next term, we will be closely examining cancer cells in vitro and discussing autophagic activity. But then she says her thing. She's like, this is a video of cancer cells, blah, blah, blah. She leaves the classroom. A, a, the guy, her, her colleague, the black guy, he's the, the only black guy in the movie, approaches her. And he's like, hey, you know, you want to go out to a bar? And she's like, I got to paint our bedroom. Nope, the bedroom. And he goes, you can come out to a bar with me, goddammit. And then she walks away, and the next scene is her sitting down crying into a locket of I Oscar Isaac. And then she goes upstairs and starts painting the bedroom. And then Oscar Isaac appears out of nowhere as a zombie almost and starts vomiting his guts up. I was like, I am on board completely <laughs> for this film now because I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> well, yeah, because like, it's that's the great thing about this movie is that like, there's certain parts of it that become very dry and very slow. Mm -hmm. and, and yet the surreal stuff is great when it's firing on all cylinders. But yeah. like I don't know. Like I don't know. Like that's the weird thing about this movie is that like like when we talk about like liking weird movies, like I can explain to somebody what the plot of under the skin is, and for the most part be able to tell if they'll like that. Like I can tell someone's going to appreciate under the skin. Mm -hmm. I have no like, even why I recommended this to you, like even like prior, like, like even this morning. I'm like, I have no idea how he's going to respond to this <laughs> because like, I, I don't think it's that type of movie. Like it's not, like you said, there, it's a very derivative of, of some elements, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the same time though, there's a lot of imagery in this that's novel. And I think that's its strong suit because like you said, yeah. the whole thing with Oscar Isaac, okay, he comes back. I think about it. He, he goes off in some, he, he's uh, missing an action. He comes back out of the blue government kidnaps, both him and Natalie Portman and she's in this military facility. You have Jennifer Jason Lee doing Jennifer Jason Lee. And you have like, oh, you have like a bunch of side characters that are just fodder later in the film. That, that will be fodder later in <laughs> yes. the film. You have the hard ass, the jokey one, the one that like reserved is like reserved, and the mm -hmm. one that's a little a little loquacious, but and that's what it is. It's like, okay, and it's like, oh, we're going into the shimmer next week. Well, we need one more person for our team. And it's like at that point they all look into the camera at once and it's Natalie Portman there. And it's like and it's like, okay, and it's like, oh, you know, this is a suicide mission, right? Yeah, that's why we're all going. And then like, oh, then the movie starts to pick up once they enter the shimmer. And it's like, oh, okay, there now we start having our plot. And it's like, okay, they're mm -hmm. in the shimmer. Like enough. We don't like because I don't think it's weird. Like, I don't mind setup. And I think the setup in this is fine. But at the okay. same time, though, like you say, it's just like, okay, we, we know what this is. Her husband is sick. She wants us a cure for him. Okay, we, we know she has to get into the shimmer. We don't need 30 minutes of her getting into the shimmer. Fair, fair. And I can say, and that's not to say I didn't like it. It's just the whole idea that's like, okay, let's let's kind of move this along. It does for the most part. It's only like a couple of times we have her like in the like incubation chamber with him. And she's like petting his hair. Or we mm. have moments of her like walking around like a little like uh, – Oh god, dormitory they have her stored in when they first like abduct her and Oscar Isaac. And yeah. Then we have like the weird like flashbacks between her and Benedict Wong, where it's like, what were you doing here? Oh, and, she's yeah. like, and she's like very stoically sitting there. And it's like, and like the big thing that was really the tell for me during I don't want to jump too far ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh well, we'll get to that later. But yeah, that's that's the thing about this though, is that like the beginning 
I guess you could almost split this movie into threes, right? You have the beginning, which is them getting getting into the shimmer. Mm-hmm. Then you have like the middle of the film, which is like their antics in the shimmer. Yeah, I would say pretty much everything from the shimmer because we do get um location cards or title cards for where they are in the story kind of and i would say the the second chunk is everything from the shimmer to like the start of the lighthouse yes exactly and the lighthouse is essentially the third act yeah yeah you know it's very kind of like i think compared to the other two acts it's shorter but uh yeah because like and that's the thing like as i was i remember like i said sitting in the theater watching the lighthouse stuff i'm like just make it end i'm like (laughs) i'm bored (laughs) <laughs> and then like watching the lighthouse stuff like the second time and i guess this time my expectations like i don't remember even having expectations the first time like i don't remember having like going in with any expectations i just kept watching being like oh man under the skin is so much better than this <laughs> uh, I, I wish i was watching under the skin right now and uh no so i even watched it the second time i'm like i'm like okay i'm on board i'm like give it to me like, i want more of this and then like it almost feels like the ending's almost like it ends like so abruptly yes yes so I, I do have to say I agree with you on that first that first third that we're discussing, specifically in the scene where the team of three women, you know, like meets Natalie Portman, or they 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 say like, oh, come sit with us, like talk to us while she's on the base, and you know it's it's the it's the, it's the, it's the setup, it's the introduction to all these women and and that they're going into the shimmer and stuff like that. I definitely agree. Like that was a little clunky. Like they could have done that a little, you know, made it feel a little more organic because there's stuff like you know, oh, considering the circumstances. Considering what circumstances, we're going into the shimmer, and it's like, okay, I, I see where we're going with this. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Because, like, I was re- apparently they had an alternate scene in where Natalie Portman like wakes up in her dormitory. J- Jennifer Jason Lee isn't there, and Natalie Portman somehow escapes her room, like beats a guard up, takes his gun. And like escapes the facility, and she like mm-hmm. ends up in front of the shimmer, and she mm. pretty much like she kind of just like at that point she doesn't know what it is, and she kind of like goes back to like the facility. Interesting. And I'm like, that's the sort of stuff that like oh, like that kind of scene, I would have preferred that instead of having like a five minute long scene of her being like, "Where's my husband? Yeah. He's yeah." I, it's like we have him. Why am I here? Because we need you here. I want a lawyer. Ha ha ha! It's like it's like no, like we it's like ha 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 government. It's like like black ops like government facility. I get mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. like that sort of stuff. Like we don't need. It's like cut that out. Like the vi- let the visuals do the talking. Yeah, and that's yeah. what you need with this. And it's like oh, and that's why again I do think that second and third act picked up because once you do get into the shimmer, the plot really does start to pick up. Absolutely, and and so does the the real weirdness of the film, <laughs> especially with the you know like I think they walk into the shimmer. The title card says The Shimmer, and then there's some weird flashback of Natalie Portman, like, humping the black guy, (laughs) but we don't know anything else. We just see them having sex, and then they're in The Shimmer. Natalie Portman wakes up, and she, like, looks all confused, and then she finds the rest of the team, and they're all like, we have no idea how we got here, but we think we've been here for three or four days already, and I'm like okay, back, you got me hooked again. Like, I'm ready for the strangeness. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of like, like, even earlier in the film, like, when she first, like, like, Oscar Isaac comes up the stairs, she, like, hugs him, he's doing his zombie shtick, and, like, you have the shot of, like, the water, mm-hmm. and, like, like the couple, the glass of water on the table, and their interaction. Like, that, that sort of dialogue doesn't bother me, because you can, you can sense there's, like, like a, 
a weirdness in the air. Yeah. Like not tension. There's a weirdness in the air that nobody can kind of like, it's like, okay, what's going on? Clearly he's been missing for a while. And how's he here all of a sudden? It clearly, like you said, there's something hollow about him. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's great. Because even though there's, there's kind of clunky dialogue going on where she's like, don't you think I'm entitled to know where you've been? And it's like, yeah, that that's clunky. Like that's James Cameron level dialogue, <laughs> but it's, 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 I guess it's what's it utilitarian. It's like, it's the definition. Like we need her to say something. This is what yeah. someone would say here, but there's enough weird stuff going on through his performance. You will, you can kind of overlook that. So like that sort of stuff works for me. And then, like you said, we get to the point where it's like, you have like the sex scene with her, the black guy, but does she have the flashback to her in bed with Oscar Isaac before or after that? Well, I think there is one before that where it like shows their relationship in the days leading up to him shipping off or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that comes I think that comes in the first in the area X part portion. Okay. Because like that's the other thing. I know I, I was listening to another podcast like I normally do discussing this film. And they were like talking like, oh, he took this mission because he knew she was cheating on him and blah, 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 blah. And he knew like he was gonna kill him, and that's why he stopped caring about her. But I could have sworn there was at one point in this where he was like one of the I'm not sure. They say that he was what been gone for a year, right? Yes, a year, yep. So are we given a time frame as to when the shimmer or when the meteor or whatever you want to call it hit the lighthouse? They might have. Jennifer Jason Leigh might have mentioned it, but it was real brief. And if she did, I don't remember it. That's that's my thing. Though, like I always took the scene with her and the black guy as like she's having like a weird like hallucin. Like, I don't want to say hallucination, mm-hmm. but it's like a very like a fever dream almost. Okay. Like her brain, her brain is just processing all these things, and that's when we wake up and it's like, how we get here? It's like, oh, like we're no. It's kind of like um, falling down the rabbit hole. We are no longer in reality. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing here is what it once was, and that's why it's almost as if like. The first act is completely separate from the second and third acts, oh, okay. except except for maybe even like the Benedict Wong stuff where he's like in the what the um, containment suit, mm-hmm. and it's like oh even that like we don't know how like what because I remember even watching this the first or watching the first time and like every single like, I remember they make it more obvious the later in the film you go with her like sitting in the chair talking to Benedict Wong, it's like oh you start to see the little like infinity tattoo or mark on her like uh, forearm. And like the first time I saw them, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be our marker that she's not she's not who she is anymore. And I'm like, that that that's a tell. Like that's but it's such an obvious tell. And mm-hmm. like throughout the movie, it's like like you see um forget whether it's Tessa Thompson or Gina Rodriguez, you see one of them with a tattoo on their arm. And it's like, oh, and I think, yeah, it has to be Tessa Thompson because eventually she turns into like a flower person. Yes. And it's like, oh, so that's clearly the mark of assimilation or or annihilation. <laughs> Whatever, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. term you want to call it, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think they're synonymous. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, I think there's an I think with uh, Jennifer Jason Lee has her exposition dump at the end of the, at the lighthouse. Um, yeah, because that's the thing about it too. Like, I, it's weird. I feel like this is like you said. It's a weird combination of a film that's holding your hand yet pushing you away with the other arm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, yeah, so I, I, that's why I think the shimmer is like the definition of falling down the rabbit hole. We don't know at this point, like. Like nothing is certain. There are yes. no there are no more fixed points in the story. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's that's probably a good way to to think about it. Yeah. It'll be interesting when I watch this again, whenever that happens, to have you know this perspective on it after this discussion for sure. <laughs> and even like, cause I know there's a couple. Like, this, this is stupid. It has to be said though. It's like they say like, oh, like like 
like once like people go into the shimmer, they never come back. Oscar Isaac was the first person to ever come out of the shimmer, mm-hmm. and they, 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 they never even saw him come out. And it's like at one point in the movie, they're all in the thing, and they're like, "Let's." I think it's after one of the one of them gets attacked, and like we we should leave now. They're like, leave where? It's like, how do we leave here? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And yet, there's two things that I I had to bring up. Like, a couldn't they still track the movement of the sun? Like, couldn't they still be like, oh, like, the shimmer isn't that big. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, couldn't you like the sun, they were they able to use it to figure out which way south is it was is it is at one point. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And there'd still be landmarks. Like, like not everything. Like, there's still, like, the, like the army barracks. They have a map. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be able to figure out, like, oh, this is where this is. So, like, we head west from here. Like, like there's landmarks. That's the yeah. first thing that kind of, like, it's, like, not this, like, there should be a little bit more, like, not things falling apart, but more like distortion with everything. Yeah. Like, like, like nothing should be recognizable. Even like the army barracks. It's like, oh, there should be an army barracks here. But like, we even can't, like, not to say that the army barracks becomes a shopping mall. I'm not saying that that sort of distortion, but it should be almost like things are like, not derelict, but like decomposing at a rate. Yeah. Only. This, this yeah. thing's annihilating everything. It's not just changing things. It's destroying what it can't. I think about something that's inorganic. It should be annihilating. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like if it can't assimilate it, it should be destroying it. Something to make it more disorienting. And then too, I, I this is the the stupid uh, reptilian part of my brain talking. If anybody knows their Simpsons stuff, I think. Oh god, there's a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode where I think it's when Homer gets caught like in the three dimensional world. Oh okay, yeah. And eventually, like like they like they figure out like everybody's in the living room. They're like, Homer, where are you? And he's like, has anyone ever seen that movie Tron? <laughs> eventually, like they do, like all these like rescue things trying to save him. And I think the last attempt to rescue him is they literally they get Bart and they tie a I think Bart ties a rope around himself and he goes jumping through the portal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why couldn't they do something like that? Like, and I get it, it's a movie. I don't want to attack it. I'm not attacking it. But just why not tie tethers around these people? Like, oh, yeah. wireless communication doesn't work. GPS doesn't work. Why not legit just give them like a giant like wire or something? Yeah, yeah. I definitely had a similar thought. Um, I, I kind of rationalized it in in the midst of the movie by saying like, oh, this is they say like what? This is like the the 12th or 20th expedition of people into the or maybe even some, you know, this is not the first expedition of people going into the shimmer. So I kind of rationalized it as they did all those tests earlier on, but I had the same exact thought where they're like, no one comes back from the shimmer. I'm like, okay, you get a dog, you put it on a leash, you put it into the shimmer, you pull it right back out to see if it, <laughs> if it like, if it can actually come out or not, you know, like that would be one of the first tests you should do. And if that works, then you'd be like, okay, well you go a little farther with a rope, a little farther with a rope. And so, yeah, you're exactly right, Zach. <laughs> That's, and I get it. It's again, it's a movie, it's a book. It's not meant to be looked at that way. And you get to buy into the premise, yeah. but it's something like, instead of having a moment where Natalie Portman goes, well, don't you think I have a right to know where you've been this time? It's like, we don't need that. Like if we're going to have clunky stuff, like, like plot exposition like that, Let's give us something a little bit more to like, not the practical side, but just show the fact that how everything is connected. Like, wouldn't it be clever? They do go in with some sort of tether. Then they have their moment like, well, it's 14, it's 14 uh, days later. And guess what? The tether has been gone. It's like, where is the tether? It's gone. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be, like, you, you, you give like a, like, you say something like, oh, we're doing something this time that should work. And that should be something like tied into the thing, like with Jennifer Jason, like, oh, this time we figured it out. 
This time yeah. we're going to do something different. Then like we get in there, it's been 14 days. The thing that we were betting everything on is now gone. And it's gone instantly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's and that's what it should be. Like that'd be a clever angle to do this. And again, I, apparently the book is very different from the movie. Oh yeah. Apparently Alex Garland's like, I read the book once and I didn't <laughs> like it that much. So that's why I made a movie out of it. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, most noticeably because in the book the the words the shimmer never appears. The shimmer is called Area X in the book. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't even know that. So that yeah, that was just a completely like new thing for the movie and none of the characters have names in the book. They're just referred to as their specializations like biologist or psychologist and stuff uh, like that. Oh, okay. So the, yeah, the book the book appears to be, you know, just as abstract as this movie but in a different way. Gotcha. <laughs> I know, like, people were. I've seen some stuff online that people were mad to casting in this movie because I think the whole cast is supposed to be, or in the book, the whole everybody's Asian. Okay. I, th- I think. And I think they got mad that they cast, I think, what, three white women? Mm, sure, sure. So, again, that's, that's another one of those controversies where, uh, y- again, there's no making certain people happy. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, that's that's the sort of thing I would have had, like something like not stakes, but just show even more like off the reservation they are. Being like, we figured it out this time. It's like we're gonna do it though. Then like it'd be great. Like we have like the three scientist women. Then like you have like Jennifer Jason Leigh be like, nope, not gonna work. Telling you right now, it's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, and then again, just add more and more to her kind of uh, cynicism to all this. Yeah, I think that's what that definitely pulled me out of the movie a little bit. You know, when we're in the shimmer and, you know, while they're trying to get to the lighthouse, one of the scientists gets attacked by the bear, dog, human, screaming hybrid thing. <laughs> and then and then Jennifer Jason Lay is like, I'm going to get to the lighthouse and end this. Like she says that multiple times. And I'm like, why? I'm like, what will getting to the lighthouse do to end things? I was like, why do you, what do you know that nobody else knows? You know, well, that's like that's the part of stuff that I do like, though. Because, like, that's the only weird thing. It's like, you think, like, the whole point is that the shimmer changes you. Mm-hmm. And part of the whole thing of it, again, assimilating, annihilating you. Is that, like, oh, everybody should have, like, have, like a 180. Like, we have the, like, the, the jokey person earlier on become, like, oh, God. Oh, God, what's his, what's his name from Reservoir Dogs who ties the cop up and, like, cuts his ear off? Oh, jeez. It's I not, know exactly. He, who he's not. About. He's not Mr. So and So. He's. He's. I forget what his name is, um, but he's not like one of the Mr. Colors. Yeah. But like, yeah. like, we have that moment where she ties them all up. Like she goes from like fun and jokey to becoming like, oh god, paranoid. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's great. Someone who's like fun and lively becomes the paranoid one. And then like we have the one that's like shy and reserved learns how to embrace becoming a plant person. Yes. <laughs> and, and then it's like, oh, Jennifer Jason Lee becomes. It goes from being a hard ass to blowing up into a bunch of light it's like okay i I guess it works and natalie portman goes from being stoic to being even more stoic Mm -hmm. uh like that's the thing where it's like that's the sort of thing that becomes kind of like uneven or like like, oh like you have character arcs but for some of the characters yes yeah exactly like we and we have the one character that's like like assimilated into the the bear man bear pig yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't really care for that little bit of explanation they tried to give that be like, oh, when that when man bear pig was killing this lady, some part of her like scared brain melded with this thing's brain and now it can make that noise. I was like, no, don't tell me why this thing can scream human screams. Just make it happen. That's all we needed for that scene. And which well, I, I did really enjoy that scene because I was like, what's going on? You know, because that this is after they find her dead body, the science Natalie Portman finds the dead body and then you know, the one lady goes crazy, ties them all up, 
And then you hear the screams in the distance. She runs outside. And the next thing you know, there's bears here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing is screaming human screams. Like, let's do this hardcore. And they do. And they do it up. You know, they have the, the thing runs around the room and makes these terribly, you know, it's like almost like the um, the noise that plays during the wonder shows and disclaimers like that. Ah! You know, it's great. Oh, I loved that. Oh, there's some fantastic sound design here. Definitely. Uh, and but the pushback on your point though about the 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 explanation, like I don't, I, I think I've said it before numerous times, like don't explain weird crap. Like that's one of my big. Like, that's like rule number one. If you're gonna have weird crap. Don't explain it. Yes. But the only time you can explain weird crap is when the explanation makes no sense. It's like, <laughs> oh, why does it sound like her? Because it assimilated her screams as she was terrified while dying. I'm like that's great. Like you know what? Okay, that, okay. If you're if you're going to explain something, if you're going to explain something inexplicable, that's great. Make it not make any sense, or yeah, make it I'll or make that. it or let's if you're going to make it explain it, make it off putting. Like the idea that like this thing assimilated a part of you while you were dying in agony. That's mm -hmm. great. That's the sort of stuff I want from this. And like you said, I, I remember watching that in the theater and I'm like, this is just dumb. I'm like, I remember <laughs> just watching it be like, cause I know like, like in the trailers, they show that. And I remember watching it and it's attacking them. And I'm like, eh, I'm like, eh, I'm like, this okay. is like, I, I guess, I, I guess it's supposed to be like, like scary, but like, I don't, I, I, it's like I guess like it's kind of like somebody it's like eating ice cream and somebody tells you it's a certain flavor it doesn't taste like and I'm like I it's like imagine having a bowl of ice cream it's like brown <laughs> the box says it's chocolate but it doesn't taste like anything it's okay. like I guess that's what I'm eating <laughs> I can't taste it which is like nine tenths of the battle but mm -hmm. sure. And that's what it felt like. But then, like watching it on home video, where I can like turn like the sound up, have my bass the way I like it, and you have the like, like at this point, I hope we will have inserted the clip at least once by now. But like you have it, it's like oh, that's great. Like it goes right, it goes like with the right like bass and treble and the volume, it goes right through you. Yeah, and I'm like yeah, I'm like that's that's all I want from this, and that's where I think. Again, like, this, does this deserve like a theater viewing? Yes, but the amount of effort you'd have to go through to make sure you got like a proper way mm. to see it in a theater would be practically impossible. Yeah, it's got to be the perfect settings. Yeah, you're right. Like, this would be a great like. like I, I know this is like the antithesis to like what an IMAX movie is considered nowadays. Mm -hmm. But like, this is the type of movie you would have to see like in IMAX. Or like a Dolby, I think they have now like, they have like all like the offshoot, like all the other type of like premium theater going experience, like Dolby Atmos. Um, I think it's like what RPX. Like I think Rob remembers that back in the day. Like the best movie you've ever. Like, okay, what they say the best movie you've ever you've ever. Oh God, was it the best movie you've ever seen? Or you remember that used to be a thing? It's like the. The, the sound you can hear the best picture you've ever heard yes best picture you ever heard something like that yeah <laughs> that's that, yeah which, which, which i get i get it's like ha 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 i get what they're saying though but at the same time it's funny to use those two things like the best picture you've ever heard <laughs> and, and that's the sort of thing you need for this movie yeah yeah i i agree i agree
seeing it is like that's where like the theater going like you know like i like the theater going experience but it also like reinforces my like deranged notion where it's like if it's not in the big theater it's not worth seeing because like mm. this, this is a perfect example of that like most people obviously did not pay to see this in a theater i did i walked out not want to say disliking it but was like very lukewarm on it mm-hmm. and then i rewatched it on home video and i thoroughly enjoyed it because it was it was being presented in a properly calibrated way. Yeah, yeah. And yep. I think that's the thing. It's like I can't. I, I I loathe the thought of somebody like about to get on a plane and like renting this off like the iTunes store, <laughs> and like for like three ninety nine watching this on a plane. Like, oh my lord, that must be a night. Like, like talk about like. And that's the same thing. Like you, like if you watch this on a plane at like two o'clock, like on a, like going from a coast to coast flight, you're gonna hate this movie. Mm, mm-hmm. If you're predisposed to like like weird crap like us, you're going to hate this. Yeah, I can't imagine with you know whatever headphones you got that whatever they whatever they say ear unless got like earbuds. earbuds. Yeah, exactly. That's what most people are going to have. They're going to hear the roar of the plane the entire time. It's going to be on a small screen. They're people are going to be kicking their seats nonstop. Of course. <laughs> yeah, like that's and that's the thing. Like, that's like this like in a weird way. I don't want to jump the gun too far. But like, I can cinema. This might be like like a unique cinematic in the sense of like, there's practically like no way to present this ideally to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how on earth do you show? Like, it's it's the whole idea. Like, even like I, I don't know how I did even with my sound system. Like, I even took a picture of where I kept like the dials so I could have it for like future reference because it was just however I did it. I hit yeah. it just right. And that's the weird thing is like, how am I on earth? Am I like even if I recommend this to someone, be like, oh, like I, I would imagine like inevitably this is gonna be a TNT movie. Okay. Like I, I could very well imagine this showing up on TNT in a couple of years and someone's like flipping through the channels and being like, oh, like, have you ever heard of this movie Annihilation? And I'll be like, yeah, is it any good? And I'm like, yeah, but like you shouldn't watch it now. <laughs> sure. And that's, and that's the problem. It's like, like this will show up on cable TV and people are not, I mean, not even just cable. Like it will show up. It's like a Hulu probably is on Hulu or, or Netflix or, mm-hmm. or another one of the ones Amazon prime. And yet people will watch to be like, Oh, I love like, it's like girl power science, military movie. Yeah. And they'll watch it and forget the off putting stuff. You put that, like that's its own uphill battle. Yeah. It's the idea. Like, Oh, if you even swallow that, the presentation is so lousy. Mm, yep. And that's, yep. and that's the problem with making stylistic movies nowadays. It's kind of like the reason why, like, as much as we, we make fun of like the Marvel movies for all looking the same, there's a reason why they all look the same. It's like no matter if you watch it on an iPhone, an iPad, <laughs> a TV, a theater, an IMAX theater, it looks the same. Exactly. It sounds the same. And I, in a weird way, like, like we all talk about like how Marvel's plots are so kind of homogenous now. We're like, oh, we're gonna have this beat. Oh, we're gonna have that beat. But at the same time, though, it's like you're gonna get the same experience no matter how like what venue you watch it in mm, mm-hmm, which, which mm. is a whole another aspect of like the movie going experience and like filmmaking that nobody talks about yeah yeah definitely 100 percent. how about that scene where oscar isaacs cuts a guy's stomach open oh <laughs> i uh i definitely you know i thought that was interesting um i'm glad you bring that up because i have i have stuff to say about that scene and also about the way that these characters watch videos in this movie that really bothered me <laughs> it's a trick of light that that might be my favorite line in the movie <laughs> because they they like they stop watching the video and they're all like what the hell did we just see and one of them is like his intestines were moving and the character goes no 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 i've been, been emt for 10 years that was a trick of the light 
And they go, what are you talking about? His intestines were alive. And he goes, that was a trick of the light. And they like all dispersed. There was something alive inside that man. No, that was a trick of the light. What? I've been a paramedic for 10 years, all right? I've scraped people off the side of the road. You see some weird shit. That, that was a trick of the light. And I'm like, great. I was like, that is, that is, that is like a realistic scenario of people getting thrown something like that at them, you know? You take apart where they are. Of course, they should be expecting some strange things because of their being them being in the shimmer. But I love that they just had one person go hardcore into denial immediately. And they, the way they said it was by calling it a trick of the light. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, I thought that. I, I, even second time watching that, I'm like, how can you? Like, like how? I, I get it. It's denial. I get that. But like, it's not like of all the things to have her say. Yes. It's not convincing. And no, I get that. And I get that's the point. It's like it's bla- like something blatantly weird's going on here. But like at the same time though, like it'd be a little bit more like, like this character has been aware of the shimmer longer than Natalie Portman, yet somehow instantly rejects anything weird going on. And never mind, just earlier they shot like a crocodile shark. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm like technically I get that's a weird thing. There's like of all the things to have her say, like there's a way of having her be in denial, but being a little bit more of a believable denial. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. That would make it work better. But I'm just happy that now I think I have my go-to denial phrase for everything. Like just be like, that was a trick of the light. You know, like a cop pulls you over and be like, you, you know how fast you were going? And like, I know how fast you think I was going, officer. But that was a trick of the light. <laughs> and to get that jail free card. Exactly, and not to jump too far ahead, but when um, when our waiters at the Cinemodities restaurant, you know, forget about serving certain tables and they get really angry, you'd be like, "The waiter came, he ordered my food, and it's been forty five minutes." He'd be like, "No, no one ever ordered your took your order. That was a trick of the light." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. I see you have perfect. one star rating on on Yelp. Nope, trick of the light. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, so I do that, love that phrase. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a yeah, that's that's a goofy moment. That's that's a like, it, it's a fun goofy moment. Like that's like that's the thing. Like in a weird way, like this movie could use a couple, maybe like some more of that sprinkled in. Not a lot more, but like mm-hmm. some more of those moments kind of sprinkled in where it's like like a little bit campy. Just a little yeah. bit, a little bit campy. And yeah, you can play campy. Like again, it's campy played straight, but still, it's campy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like I said, I also have to comment on how they watch the videos they find in the, in the shimmer. Uh, they find two, well, one, the team finds of what we've been talking about, you know, Oscar Isaac cutting the guy's stomach open, but then Natalie Portman finds the video at the lighthouse of Oscar Isaac blowing himself up. Oh yeah. In both of these videos, they shot the video camera. Like they turn the video off, but they, they watch it on camcorders. And they got the little window viewer arm thing. I don't know what you actually call it, but they, they close the video camera and hence stop watching the video before there is any clear end to the video. <laughs> like, like I, I, I can only imagine that they have just held on for a few more minutes. They would have gotten more information, especially the second one, because Natalie Portman watches Oscar Isaac blow himself up. And then she realizes someone else is behind the camera and he walks in front of the camera and it's Oscar Isaac and she turns it off. Literally, no one else was behind the camera, so the camera would have had to keep recording. Yeah. There is more on that video that she chose not to see, and that bothers me as from a, like a scientist's perspective, that they're going to be like, okay, this was scary, 
I'm going to make a suspenseful moment, you know, close this up. It's like, no, they would actually watch it till it went to the blue screen or the black screen or whatever it was when the file ended. Did you did that, did that bother you like it bothered me, Zach? <laughs> um, the, the the second time with, with Oscar Isaac in the lighthouse, that bothered me, but not for the reasons you had. Oh, okay, okay. That bothered me because I'm like, oh, the battery would be dead. And I'm like, That's uh, another uh, good point, yeah. And I'm like, the battery would not be. I could disappoint the battery would be dead if it was like a year ago. Absolutely. Or maybe it wasn't a year ago. I don't know, but it's like I have a hard time believing the battery would be working. I'm like, never mind. How did it turn off? Because think about it, like like if he killed himself. The, like, it, like you say, it'd be recording until the battery drained. Yep, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So I'm like, so I'm like, oh, so either the doppelganger had to tr- the Oscar Isaac doppelganger turned it off, or it just kept recording until eventually <laughs> yeah. the battery died. Or first it ran out of like recording storage, and then the battery died. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, that's, that's, that's one get, of my yep, my issues. <laughs> and that's like a, and I know that's a stupid thing because like you need your moment, like you need your moment of him like like of revealing like oh he's a doppelganger it's not the mm-hmm. real Oscar Isaac, but at the same time though why couldn't she just have had the, like the first camcorder with her she pulls out like the SD card and plugs it in yeah yeah exactly it would have been stored in a more um re, re or realistic way yeah that video yeah. I mean yep plus didn't they already establish like none of their technology works inside the Shimmer. I think uh, I think they say that like anything that has to send or receive a signal doesn't oh. work. So it's like they they have a, a quick line of dialogue that says like nothing's going to work except the video evidence we need to see. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I know at one point I think it's one of them's like oh like nothing's like turning on. Mm, I, okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It could be one or the other. But like that's another thing. It's like oh again I know you need that sequence where you see Oscar Isaac, but like. Still, there should have been like if she had her camera, that would be a little bit more like uh, it goes down a little bit smoother. Yeah, yeah. I also speaking of the second video, I have to say that you know, I the the, the monologue that Oscar Isaac gives before he grenades himself, just it sounds so much like somebody is having a bad time on hallucinogenics. <laughs> He's like, I thought I was a man. But now my skin moves like liquid, and it's just like whoa! It's like I've I swear I've heard this. You know, somebody you know at the at the medical tent at a music festival before saying the exact same thing. <laughs> I thought I was a man, I had a life. People call me Cain. And now I'm not so sure. If I wasn't Cain, what was I? Was I you? Were you me? My flesh moves like liquid. My mind is cut loose. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. You ever seen a phosphorus grenade go off? They're kind of bright. Shield your eyes. 
you ever get out of here, you find Lena. I will. Oh, yeah, I thought that was funny. And then he even says to the doppelganger, he's like, you ever see a phosphorus grenade explode? It's going to be bright. Cover your eyes. Oh, you Apparently, you don't care that you're only five feet away from me. So cover your eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, too. Is weird. I'm like, wouldn't the camera explode? I, like, he's a little too close. Yeah, a, like a grenade in that cl- enclosed of a space, like that definitely would have just you brought the end of the movie up earlier i would imagine <laughs> well like not even like with natalie poor i mean like even like the camera like wouldn't that vaporize the camera oh yeah i think yeah i think every, that whole lighthouse would be gone yeah definitely <laughs> or at least a part of it but like again it's it's that's the thing though it's like I, i'm willing to forgive certain things like that it's like okay we have like crocodile shark monsters man bear pig like again i'm willing to forgive the yes. logic sometimes though but like if you're going to acknowledge like technology doesn't work in here then okay that's you've created the rule it has to be consistent for the rest of the film mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's like, like you said like, like when she like because when natalie portman pulls the phosphorus grenade it like blows everything up yeah it like gets the the, the weird doppelganger thing on fire and then it's the fire spreads pretty much everywhere. It he just it just pin. kills him, and and it gives a little good, you know, like immolation looking shot for later on. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's pretty much it. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess consistency also disappears in the shimmer. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess now we should start getting to what some more of the creatures of this. Yeah, sure, because they those are great. Absolutely, I think we talked about the one that screams human screams, which is awesome. But there's a even uh, some that we get to see that aren't um, the focus, I should say. Like, there's that one quick scene where Natalie Portman sees, like, that weird deer thing with the mm-hmm. flowers growing on its antlers. And it has, like, a double of itself, like, that mimics it, you know, and it kind of looks like it's darker and decaying. I thought that scene was really interesting. Yeah, like, like the special effects work in this is top-notch. Yeah, especially when they get close to the um, the lighthouse. And, of course, all the sand has turned to glass and it's growing up trees and... And stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that, those are those scenes where I was like, wow, I want to see this in a grander scale type of thing. Yeah, that stuff is cool. Again, the the shark or the, the crocodile shark, even that, like when it's like like in the water, like even like seeing some of the imagery of this, which I which is which yeah, which is why I want more of like the idea of having like the mobile, like the the trailer, like submerged mm-hmm. into like the pond lake. Yeah, like like the idea of like having like that's such like a surreal visual having like somebody's home half submerged into water. Mm-hmm. I wanted more stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought that. Um, I have to agree with you that I think the the creatures of this universe, at least the living ones, um, well, the mobile ones, I should say, because we do get a lot of plants and things like oh, that, yeah. and the flowers, of course, the flower looking people or the people looking flowers or whatever they are, um, that comes into play later with one of our protagonists, but. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I wanted more of the creatures. I wanted to see more of it's like, oh, you got an alligator. Or a crocodile and a shark. You got a, a dog and a man and a bear and a pig and a, and a screams, you know? I was like, keep going, you know? Give me more of that stuff. But what we get is just the Tool music video kind of from there on out. Yeah, which is cool. Which is, which is cool in its own right. Oh, oh definitely. Absolutely. That, that I love that shot where this the crazy big, I don't know, billowing cloud. It looks like it's like coming, folding in on itself or out of itself. And, 
and Natalie Portman's just staring at it, and I'm like, wow, I'm watching Odd Sack. But then, like, a little bit of her blood comes from her nose, like, into the thing, and it, like, oh, I thought all that was awesome to look at, but it was just not what I was expecting or where I was expecting this movie to go. Yeah, and that's, because even, like, when she goes into, like, I guess the, the little meteorite tunnel that the thing causes and she walks mm. down it it looks like something from like an alien movie it has like Definitely. that weird sort of like uh bio organic feel to yeah. it. something something very hr giger esque everything's moving constantly yep yeah and that's where it's again i feel like everything is like oddly derivative of something else mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not like super evident unless you know what you're looking at yeah yeah and i think that's what it is it's kind of like a hodgepodge of like different ideas just done slightly differently yeah yeah it's one of the best episodes of Fringe I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. So, like, at that point, so, like, we have, our, like, like you said, each of the characters, like, our first character that's off, the blonde woman, she gets attacked by Man Bear Pig. Mm-hmm. Then the second one is... is the, the one who goes crazy and ties him up. She yes. gets killed by Man Bear Pig uh, uh, also. <laughs> yes. And then they shoot Man Bear Pig. Yes. And then... The other one becomes the flower person. Yeah, where she's like, she has that line of dialogue where she's like, you know, this this lady wants to end it. You want to fight it, and I want to accept it. And then she turns into flowers. Yeah, <laughs> you have that. And like, and then like even before that, Jennifer Jason Lee goes to find the lighthouse. And then, like, when Natalie Palmer eventually finds her, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's like in the basement, and she like explodes into like a ball of light. Yeah, she's like, I ate the alien, everything's gonna be okay, and Natalie Portman's like, no, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And I get that line of dialogue, oh, she had cancer this whole time. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I thought that, you're right, because that comes in the flash forward, or I I don't know how you want to think about the Benedict Wong stuff, but, because it's like, it's, he's like, you knew she had cancer, and she's like, I guessed, and then that's it. That's like the only thing we hear about the cancer anymore in any, like, actual explicit terms. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, I guess it's the whole idea. Like, because I, I know there's a lot of like thematic elements of this. It's like self destruction of man, and like, like none of us really die. We just like implode. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's some stuff like that. Whether it be like, it's like, oh god, it's like she's talking. Natalie Portman's talking to the blonde woman, and she's like, so why are you do like why are you on this suicide mission? My daughter died. Well, she, well, she's on it. Well, she cuts herself. Oh why? yeah. It's like why? It's like why does she want to hurt herself? No, it's like, oh, she wants to die. No, she wants to live. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, oh God. Like, it's, that, <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's like that freshman year college like philosophy. Volunteering for this. It's not exactly something you do if your life is in perfect harmony. We're all damaged goods here. Anya Soper, they're for an addict. Josie wears long sleeves because she doesn't want you to see the scars on her forearms. She's tried to kill herself. Oh, I think the opposite, trying to feel alive. And it's like, oh my God, it's like enough, enough. Yeah, 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 I agree with you there. It's even like something I was like listening to today. They're talking about like, oh, like it's selfish. It's like, like Natalie Portman's doppelganger at the end is trying to stop her from like self-destructing from pulling the grenade. And I'm like, is that what this is? I'm like, this is all about like self-destruction. Like, is that the whole point of this? Like, obviously, the title of the movie is Annihilation. Mm-hmm. But 
is that really the theme of all this? Like, I can't help but feel there is like this feels very much in the same vein as again, like a Spring Breakers, like a Vox Lux, where it's like, oh, somebody wants to say something, they're just not explaining it properly, or do they even know what it is they're trying to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I definitely like, picked up on some of the self-destructive themes. I think there's some lines near the beginning where Jennifer Jason Leigh is like, everybody wants to destroy themselves somehow and that type of thing. So I definitely picked up on it because it was more explicit. But but yeah, I definitely didn't watch this and I was like, oh, that's what they're going for. It was more of like you said, where I see it and it's like, there's something there. Do I know exactly what it is at all the points to the movie? No, but I think there's something there. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think we're trying to say we want our, we want to be like our, our hands held. Like we don't want that. But at the same time, though, I feel like there's too much, like there's too many other things kind of thrown into the broth. That kind of dilute the potency of what the message is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like, I know, like, even something I was like, like in listening to saying, like, oh, the ending of this is the fact that, like, oh, all of humans eventually self-destruct, and now that the I don't know what we call it, like the the doppelgangers now have two human hosts, and obviously it's a man and a woman, and they're now going to stop that. Like, it's a whole new era of the human race, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that like I think I mentioned earlier that I like that ending like when once the movie got going like with the shimmer and stuff like that and like all the genetic mutation stuff started to take a role, I was like, "Okay, so Oscar Isaac at the beginning is not going to be the real Oscar Isaac." And then eventually they reveal he has doppelganger. I'm like, "Okay, that's going to be literally the last scene of the movie is that Natalie Portman's a doppelganger." And I yeah. was like, "Whoa, my mind is blown at the end." You know, I was way more interested in the stuff where, you know, it's like she the the shimmer goes away and then she's talking to benedict wong again and they have their little thing where she drinks the water and no blood is in the water and it's a very similar shot to when isaac oscar isaac drank it at the beginning and i was like that's that's where it should end you know leave it more ambiguous don't give me this like oh we can see their eyes changing color thing right at the very final shot yeah yeah that's yeah because like even like i said earlier the tat like the 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 infinity tattoo on her forearm that shows Mm. up because it's like oh like okay like the moment you see her, actually, at one point, like very early in the film, or not, about halfway through, we see her like itching her arm or something. And she's like, "I have a mark," and I'm like, "Oh, there it is." And I'm like, "There, I think there, there it is." It's like clearly yep. she's being assimilated now, and, and like you said, in the end, the thing it's like the two of them embrace, and it's like, "Oh, okay, cool." Do you think? Do you think that they're actually not doppelgangers? That they're the regular human selves, and what we saw was just a trick of the light. Do you think that's the theme of this movie? That it's all just a trick of the light? Because they do describe the shimmer as a prism. And what better tool to use you or to allow you to, you know, employ tricks of light than a prism? <laughs> I think that's what Alex Garland told the studio when it didn't make a profit. <laughs> it was a trick of the light. <laughs> Alex, there's a lot of red on the spreadsheet. No, 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 just a trick of the light. It's like you have to change the font color manually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like even better. It's like 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 the studios confronting Alex Garland after all the money it lost. Like I can't hear you after like over all the what 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 what. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh God, yeah. This this movie, like I said, it's a it's a strange movie. Like it, it, it hits all the right beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something missing. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could see that, and I'm not. Maybe I'm not so sure what the missing thing is, but I, I feel that sense. You know, when I'm thinking about it now, after seeing it that one time, 
And especially with all the things that we're thinking, talking about where it's like, oh, it pulls on topics from or ideas from this, from that, from the other thing. Like I even like I mentioned it, you know, offhandedly that this is one of my favorite fringe episodes now. This is like genetic mutation, like animals getting morphed together, but there's some love story in the background. That is fringe. That is all of fringe. So that definitely reminded me of that as well and, and kind of the uncertainty and the way they reveal things. I think that's what it is for me is they didn't have the missing thing might be that kind of uniqueness, that kind of really, really unique idea to throw at us rather than just like, you know, oh, self-destruction or the human cell or, you know, things that I feel like we've seen before and heard about before and have thought about before. Yeah, because I think that's because that's another one, like I said, with Spring Breakers. It's like, is it intentionally disorienting or is it disorienting because the filmmaker doesn't know what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, yep. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like with Under the Skin, Under the Skin is weird. Yeah, I feel everything in that movie is there on purpose. Mm, mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. with this, I look at it, I'm like, okay, clearly there were fights with the producers. The studio obviously was like, okay, well, we're just gonna light, we might as well light this pile of money on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's like, okay, and there wasn't that same like vision in something like Under the Skin. Okay. And I'm just, yeah, I that can is, see that. And I'm just using that, like we could say Eraserhead, where it's like, okay, the filmmaker knows what they're saying, and it's intentionally cryptic. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, like we've talked numerous times about Twin Peaks, The Return. It's like that ending is not that ending because, by accident. That mm-hmm. ending is there for a reason. Yep. Whereas yep. like we look at like something like Annihilation, and considering that Alex Garland isn't a David Lynch, it's like, oh... Was this his intended end ending? Was it a compromised ending that the studio felt was like safe for normies in the audience, or okay. was it just he didn't know how to end the movie? Mm, sure. And that's the thing. Like we're like something like under the skin. Like there's no point at the end of under the skin where we're like, oh, I wonder if her like running into like the snow like on fire was intended by the filmmaker or not. Like that we know for a fact <laughs> that's how the movie's going to end. Yeah. Whereas yeah. even like going back to like Vox Lux, it's like oh. Like, what is, what's the message of Vox Lux? It's like, mm-hmm. is it the fact that, like, the devil? Is it the yeah, fact the devil that she's, real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you have, like, all these ideas floating around. Whereas, at least with Vox Lux or Spring Breakers, the themes are pretty much on the surface. Yes. With yeah. this, it's like, what's the theme? I guess, I guess the theme of this is self-destruction. Yeah, self, yeah, self-destruction or maybe self-destruction specifically in humans, like maybe more of, of humans wanting to damage themselves to some in, in different ways, like to some extent. But we never see that, though, in this, really. No, no, yeah, not not really. I mean, um, I, I feel like, you know, like we've been saying, there's something there with kind of the the what, the themes that we've been saying, you know, with words, with language versus the juxtaposition of that to the shimmer, which is basically like, everybody's genes get mixed up together and it affects everybody in different ways types of thing. I feel like there's something there that that connection that, you know, maybe at least what I think I'm, I'm lacking in the understanding of this movie because we, we, we talk about self-destruction of humans and yeah, there's lines about that in the dialogue about maybe why someone wants to go into the shimmer or go on this mission. But then the shimmer is like, things don't just get, don't really get annihilated. They just get changed. They just get altered and, and then kind of just blended together more and more and more. So there's some there's something there. There's some stepping stone that I'm missing, most likely, or maybe multiple thousands of stepping stones <laughs> I'm missing. <laughs> exactly. That's where it's like, I think a better title for this would probably be Assimilation. Oh, okay. But, okay. but, 
but I would imagine again, this is the part of like Hollywood. It's like I imagine, okay, which title tests better, assimilation or annihilation? Mm-hmm. And assimilation like, has too many negative political connotations these days, right? <laughs> well, that too. Like, so, yeah. so, so, somebody's like, oh, we can't call it that. There's, there's some focus group that said that's offensive. Mm-hmm. Or it's annihilation. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Like, again, that's negative. Think about it. Annihilation doesn't have any positive mm-hmm. context to it. But yeah. at the same time, though, no, but it sounds a lot cooler. Like you, you ask a 13-year-old boy, do they want to see assimilation or annihilation? There you go. Yeah, yeah, good point. And that's why me too is like, who is this made? Like, imagine going to a movie studio and being like, we want $40 million to make this. Mm-hmm. Like, who on earth agrees to this? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. <laughs> like, I, I can tell you, look, this is one of those Hollywood movies where, like, when you see, like, there's a, there's a laundry list of them, where it's like, who is this for? Yeah, like, this is yeah. never going to make any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it is kind of like, in one respect, it's like you said earlier, you know, someone might look into this movie and go like, oh, yeah, all-female scientist military expedition kind of thing. Great. But someone else might look into this movie and be like, oh, it's some weird sci-fi, you know, genetic horror type of film. And then there's us who are just like, no, it's a cinemodity. Like, you know, you can't really <laughs> nail it down. And so you're right. Exactly. Like, it seems like it's so all over the place. You know, who's going to find this and be like, oh, wow, this premise is is what I'm all about, you know? That's what I mean, though. Like, it's like even <clears throat> when this movie came out, like, it got, the guy, I think it's like an 87 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. OK. And which is pretty good for a movie like that. And, but like, I still don't, like, nobody is calling this like their favorite film of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's not that type of movie. And I think that's, yeah, because like the, the audience score is it's 66%. Okay, okay. Which is like right above I, I, like a, a rotten rating. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's what I mean, though. It's like, I, I don't, like, I, I, the, the critics enjoyed it. But like, I, I would be fascinated to have seen what this looked like on like a Friday night, like a date night. It's like, oh, look, it's Natalie yeah. Portman, Oscar Isaac. It's a romance movie. Because that's what it is. <laughs> you're you're gonna people out there again. You're gonna have a lot of the normies in, in today's culture who see, oh, Natalie Portman's a progressive female voice. Yeah, and Oscar Isaac, he's so dreamy. And yet, like you have, or like, oh, he's Poe Dameron from like Oscar Isaac is like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to say he's a new Harrison Ford because he's not, but like he's a. Oh god, he's like a matinee idol face. Like he's he's yeah, a, yeah. he's, he's, he's a recognizable now. Yeah. yeah, he's a handsome man. He's he's he can act, and people be like, oh, like what's not to like? And they go see this, and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, and that's kind of what like that's what it is. It's like who is this movie for? Like like this yep. odd, it's not a movie is made for you and I, and even even though we both recommend it in our prism of cinemati <laughs> it's it's the idea i guess in this context say our shimmer yeah. of a cinemati it's the idea like outside of like you and i and the people who actually like listen to us on this podcast like i can't imagine this record i can't imagine recommending this to anyone yeah you know now that i think about it i feel like there's only one person i might be able to get to watch this and it would be by saying to them that it's a great episode of Fringe. Like, not even telling them that's not really an episode of Fringe. Be like, listen, there's a, there's a two-hour episode of Fringe you've never seen before. We're going to watch it. And they'd be like, oh, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> that's what I mean. I was like, I don't know. 
like this is the type of movie where it's like if I was like a professional film critic, I'm like I thoroughly enjoyed this, but I know you won't. Mm-hmm. These are some of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, just too weird for me. I know it is a bit artsy and beautiful, but too damn strange. Was that all one? Was that one review? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Here's another one. I thought I would like this one. It seemed promising because it's from the director. That is not bad. I loved Ex Machina. This movie would be an excellent movie to watch while under the influence of psychedelics or even weed. But while you are sober, the ending leaves you very disappointed. The movie cuts from the present to the past frequently and often, and within the past, it jumps to the distant past, yet the timeline is not overly difficult to follow. One great thing about this movie is that they have all female leads, and it does not push it like in Ghostbusters 2016. I agree with the critics' consensus. It does leave you pondering long after the credits roll Questions such as I wonder what movie I could have watched and said And how could a movie so promising be so disappointing Hmm interesting I, It's interesting that they brought up The um, the pushing of the female lead Because I definitely didn't get that sense From the movie where that was like a focal point Where it was like oh look at it all women Like I know it is all women and there's a few lines Where they talk about that um, But the movie didn't really make it you know like a like a, a a major standpoint of the film or anything. I don't know about the marketing, but I know that the book did more. Like there's a whole explanation in the book of why a team of only women is going. And it has to do with, you know, that all the other teams have been men and how they want to see how like area X interacts with the female gender rather than the male. And, and it's part of their experiments. And so, you know, I, I thought we were going to get a lot more of that in the movie, but we didn't. And that's always fine by me. You know, don't, don't focus on this stuff. Focus on the weirdness. That's what I want to see. So I, I have to agree with that part of that review. Yeah. Some of the reviews are really weird. <laughs> is there is there one that's like a like a book long, like that tool video one we found that one time? Nah, no, but there's some oh my god, okay. Um Okay, do I even want to read this? <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if I want to read this. I guess I have to read it. This is all very illogical. They all go in and don't return. They don't make skirmishes to enter and return to see if that's possible and has effects. Slowly going deeper and deeper, getting data along the way. No. <laughs> Only to the center and get no data of the inside. Not even after three years. Even a GDM rope and pull people back in. No, don't try that. The flashbacks in between are actually annoying and break the story. I'm okay with, all, with it all being women, but is there a reason for it for it from the military point of view care to explain if all people that go in don't go back why not add some soldiers to the mix as defense this is like sending in six taxi drivers instead of isis controlled territory to let them check at the roads <laughs> at least have one of the women be a special forces or whatever no defense specialist to go inside the shimmer is just idiotic sure natalie can shoot but she wasn't part of the original team and certainly not a combat specialist and only once defend a team of five the only one that was in the army is holding the rifle like it's a grocery bag while entering unknown territory indefinitely hostile get a video with possible life-saving info don't watch the entire thing i can go on and on of the idiotic choices they make with the military <laughs> makes making it very hard to get into the story as no normal human would make those choices all in all crap movie that could have been great if they didn't make e- event happen just for the sake of an event happening instead of having a meaning whatever that meant um <laughs> yeah like even that person mirrored mirrored some of our own sentiments yeah yeah absolutely but he clearly was taken out of the or the person was clearly taken out of the film much greater than we were by these uh these slight faux pas <laughs> yeah he's another one like forgettable at best this movie is fine but brings nothing new to the table mm, okay okay 
So, so you said already the critics like it more than the, than yeah. the fans. Right? Okay, well, sure. well, that's what I mean. Though. This movie, like, again, nor- that's the problem. Though, is, like, you have the norm. Like, that's another weird thing, too. I'm not seeing any normies. I'm seeing a lot of people angry at the fact that it's women. Okay. Okay. Like, but think about this. Like, this is the thing I, I hate what people do. Like, they apply. You know, we were joking about it too. Like, we were making comments about like, like the tying a rope around yourself and doing something mm-hmm. like that. But like, you have to let the movie have its own premise. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's not always. It's like, oh, this is what I would have done in this sci-fi fantasy setting. It's like, sure, you can talk about that, but that's not the reason that the movie was bad. <laughs> Yeah, like like again, like it's like oh, the military never would have sent all women into a giant like bubble. It's like okay. Well, I military- already answered that one. The, the book, the book explains that in great detail. Apparently, that why it's all women. So you got to read the book. <laughs> well, that's what I mean, though. It's like, but like at the same time, it's that like we don't know what the government would do if the government had a giant bubble forming from a lighthouse and everything they did wouldn't work. Eventually, they try anything. To figure. Oh yeah, out. Like, they okay, nuke it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they give Natalie Portman the briefcase, um, or, or what they call the, the football. Is that what they call the nuclear yeah, arms? The football, like, yeah, the football. Um, yeah, but like I said, though, like, like at a certain point, like you have to like differentiate, or just like uh, what's it called? Oh my god, what's it called? Um, oh my god, a term for uh, not deferment of reality, but just oh, oh suspension god. of suspension. disbelief. Thank you. Yeah, suspension of disbelief. God awful, a duct tape monster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it had it had some fun moments, but then it became one of the most pretentious movies I've ever saw. Mm. Not seen, ever saw. Ever saw. Hmm. I, okay, I didn't get pretentious from this at all. Well, it's pretend again. It's pretentious to normies. Remember, oh. they're going into this expecting a go again. That's the thing about this normies not the ones that are angry that there's women in the movies but like you have normies going to see natalie portman oscar isaac kick kick alien but they're expecting like men in black but with like oscar isaac and natalie portman and okay. they get this if you're expecting or oh god what's like uh okay oh what's that movie um uh thor ragnarok did you ever see thor ragnarok yes i actually did finally see it because people that i talked to after endgame when I said I hated the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they were like, yeah, but didn't you love Thor Ragnarok? And I was like, I never saw Thor Ragnarok, so they made me watch it. And after it, they were like, oh, wasn't that great? And I was like, no. You should have said <laughs> so like yes, I have, I have seen it, yes. <laughs> but like, when they see like, oh, Alien Invasion movie, Oscar Isaac, Natalie Portman, they expect Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson shooting aliens with big guns. Yes. Uh, that's, yeah, what they, that's, that's what they're, and that's what it is. is like, And that's why the marketing with this, even if you look at like the trailers, the trailers don't do that though. But if you're reading like a plot synopsis, like I'm even curious, what's the plot synopsis on Rotten Tomato for this? Women go into a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> okay um in imdb it says a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply <laughs> and okay. guess what and guess what you see that with natalie portman and oscar isaac guess what you think you think nothing it's a, like what this movie actually it, is yeah. it's a romp yep, yep. Like, even the poster it's like them walking through like if you didn't know anybody, you think it's just them walking through the forest and they're all carrying guns. So, like mm. in a weird way, you think it's like a female uh, predator, like predator, the predator. Yeah. Oh, sure, like, sure. Like it's like oh, it's like instead of having Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's Natalie Portman. Yeah. Okay. And that and that's what they expect. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then when they walk out and they get wah 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 wah, <laughs> it's like oh, like you get fifteen minutes of her in her like like featureless 
body double. Part of it, too, is like having normies. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not a normie. It's the idea that these people who go like, like who go see Avengers Endgame six times in theaters, they don't want to think in a movie. Like, yeah. we're, not, we're not saying that like, like what Rob and I are doing and trying to discern what the themes of this are. We're not talking about that. They don't want to have to look at anything and be like, oh, wait, what's going on? Everything has to make sense at face value. Mm-hmm. Like if they have this, if if they are not immediately satisfied instantaneously, it's no. They're they're already on Twitter saying zero out of five stars yeah. on subscribe. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's the sad thing with this. It's that like you know this movie isn't perfect. It it deserves to be watched by people who at least will somewhat enjoy it. Mm-hmm. No, Norm normies go ruin movies. That's that's yeah. the problem too. Norm normies ruin everything. If it's yeah. not like everything else, it, they are going to ruin it. Yeah, the masses have to water everything down for the rest of us. Or maybe make everything watered down. Maybe that's the theme of Annihilation. It's the fact that like conventional things will consume us all and just like, a, what, annihilate everything else. Mm. Mm. That's the whole idea. Like, everything that's like, like unique gets wiped, gets annihilated. Yeah, because it all blends together and becomes rehashes of the same things you've seen and, and dealt with millions of times before. Exactly. Like you said, everything kind of, like you said, like whether it be crocodile, sharks, or man bear pigs, that's what it is. Everything just kind of gets assimilated and gets destroyed in the process. Yeah, I like that. I like everything, that. everything loses its identity. Yeah. Okay, so this is a big, uh, big metaphor for the movie industry. <laughs> <laughs> any industry really <laughs> exactly the conglomeration prospect yeah <laughs> and uh, avengers endgame is the giant uh, man bear pig yes <laughs> instead of hearing uh, someone scream it makes a noise of when the audience saw captain america pick up thor's hammer oh yeah oh, that's yeah. it that's that that's the noise it makes instead of the the the, the, the female screech it's just like <laughs> a eruption of applause <laughs> definitely <laughs> one more thing from the book that was not included in this film which i thought was actually really interesting um well i guess two things one is the the frame or the perspective of the book it's actually written completely from like the biologist Natalie Portman's character in the film, her field journal. So it's like all journal entries mm. and it's, they never reference any other characters by name, only their, only their profession. I thought, I think that's really interesting. You know, I haven't read too many books like that, but I think there's one or two David Mitchell's where it's all journal entries. I know a lot of house of leaves. That book by Daniel Lusky is a lot of journal entries. Um, so that, that's intriguing to me. That's an interesting like setup for a book, especially for one that got so much acclaim in kind of the modern era, you know, most people I feel with books are just like, ah, if it's not another Dean Koontz or something, you know, or uh, what's his name, John Grisham or anything like Uh, that. James Um, Patterson, yeah. James Patterson, yeah, David Baldacci, all those ones where they just pump out like 30 books a year and they're they're all written by ghost writers and stuff. So it's interesting to hear of a book that, you know, got one, some publicity or acclaim to be written like that, and then two, got turned into this crazy movie. Um, But in the book, the lighthouse is a very big part of it, just like it is in this one. But so is the lighthouse keeper, apparently. Oh. And in and in the, the third book of the trilogy, it's revealed that the lighthouse keeper is uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh's father. And she has like a very long history with the Shimmer or Airy X, as it's called in the book. Oh. So that, that threw me for a loop. But something that's that appears in all three of the novels of the I think it's called the Southern Reach trilogy 
is what they refer to as the tower, which is just a giant spiral staircase that goes straight into the ground. And a lot of the book, Annihilation, is about them exploring just a spiral staircase that goes into the ground for seemingly forever. And I think that's a really neat concept. I'm, I'm almost interested to read more into the book or actually read the book to, to see how they play with that. But I'm just kind of thinking of, you know, how, how would that be done in a film that would be interesting? Because, of course, you can be like, oh, it's a spiral staircase, but it's infinite. But then I feel like you'd have people like, say, the normies, for example, they'd be like, oh, they just took like one shot of a spiral staircase forever and they say it's infinite, you know? And it's like, well, of course. And maybe it would have had a, some issues of with like, oh, there's so much of the movie that takes place with them just climbing up and down a staircase type of thing. Do you have any, I, I don't know if you've read about that, the spiral staircase in, in your research, Zach, but is there anything that jumps out to you with maybe like Hollywood or, or movie magic where that wouldn't, why that would have gotten cut or anything like that? I No, I don't. But the only thing I can say is I know Alex Garland said like he read the book once. And one yeah. and like and he's like I want to do a loose interpretation of it. Uh, yeah, I definitely did read that as well. I think that's, that one of the sources I read even said it's like he went on record saying that he only read the book once and then adapted it from memory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like okay, clearly this is somebody who likes certain elements of this. Okay, but does not hold it in like super high regard. Um, sure, sure. I I think you know maybe since this movie uh, didn't do so well maybe in 20, 30 years when we get another film adaptation of the Annihilation book, maybe it will include some things more true to the, the novel, but who knows? I just, I remember reading that in my research, you know, the other day and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, you know, this thing is seemingly endless and it's almost the antithesis of, you know, the, the lighthouse. It's like the lighthouse is where all the shimmer is stemming from and that goes into the sky finitely, of course, but then there's this other kind of structure that goes into the ground infinitely just it was some interesting food for thought but no i don't unfortunately i don't have any answers okay well this the second book in the trilogy is called authority and the last book is called acceptance so they're all a so none of them are assimilation though (laughs) oh poo and i guess spoiler alert if you want to read all the books the third book ends the trilogy ends with total uncertainty about whether or not Area X is still in existence or if it's gone. So the book, the, the trilogy literally ends on a cliffhanger from what I've looked into. And I, I always love that open-ended stuff, of course, as we've talked about, you know, Twin Peaks and whatnot. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so that's it. Now that, we, now that we understood more of the movie, I could say some things about the book. Absolutely. So, Zach, are you ready for late night? I am ready for late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is, I think this just might be a theme of the Pure Cinemodity series, but I, I remember having um, some difficulty deciding. I think I was, said I was on the fence for late night movie for Under the Skin, but I ended up saying it was a know your audience type of thing. Um, I feel like when I, if I think of this movie, Annihilation, for a late night movie with the same light, like a know your audience, I feel like I would know my audience and it would make me say, no, I should not play Annihilation for them. <laughs> like I said already, there's one person I might be able to trick into watching this by telling him it's, it's related to Fringe in some way. Um, it, this seems almost like I, I might be able to get away with it as a late night movie because of the visuals, because of the content. It is It fits the bill for like my end of it, of why I want to show it to someone. I, I'm hard-pressed to say that I would ever find someone who would latch onto it like we have in the people I'm thinking of. 
And and maybe it would almost have to be like a random thing where it's like, oh, I have all these movies. You know, maybe if I had a folder on my hard drive that were just the movies we picked to be late night and I just showed them, showed that list to them, they'd be like, oh, Annihilation. And that sounds really cool. Let's do it. And I'm going to be like, that's it. You know, you don't get to hear anything else. You picked it. You know, you dug your hole. So, so now you got to just deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, I think you phrased it quite quite well, the comment of just, like, throwing the dice and being like, you know what? I think I could get away with it. I think that's the best way to put it. I, uh, like you said, I think I could get away with it if I show it to people. Yeah, yeah if, I had, we, if we had people who were like, you pick the late night movie. If they're with Rob, if they're with Zach, if they're with both of us, and the ones that give us complete control then I, I definitely think they would be more open to seeing something like this rather than the people who are like, oh, I know who they are. I know what they like. I know what they complain about. And I know that showing them Annihilation is just going to be like, why the hell did we, you waste two hours of my life on that? That type of thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of those things where I know chances are my audience won't like this, mm. but I think I can get away with it because it's not so off-putting. Yeah, like the, that's true. It is. It does have... Definitely, definite levels of ex, um, accessibility in it for sure. Yeah, like whereas, like under the skin, I think it would be off put because it, it's super real. Obviously, part of that film is its realism. Mm -hmm. This is firmly fiction. Yes, yes. There's no blurring the line between reality and fiction in this. And plus, it's just weird enough. You can show this to people, and you know they'll dislike it. They won't be like they won't look at you as a weirdo for liking it. Yeah, like, you, like I think you, I think like if you, it's one of those things where. If you tell people like, "Oh, I like Eraserhead and Under the Skin," and they've seen that, and they're and they're normie for whatever, let's just say for say example, this normie has friends like us, mm -hmm. they'll look at you weird and be like, "Ew!" Like that person yeah. does weird stuff. Exactly. You're always going to be labeled as be like, "Oh, you know," it's like, "Oh, you know that you know that Rob or Zach kid be like, yeah, he likes really weird movies," and it's like, no, that is too much of an like a smoothing down or a simplification of what we're discussing. Yes, but I think if you said like, oh, like, you know, that's Robert Zakai, he took me to go see Annihilation. Like it was like, I feel like this is one of those movies where if you liked it, there's enough star power here mm -hmm. and slickness that most people would be like, oh, it's a weird movie. Like they, yeah. they, 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 it's not that it's a weird movie, but it's not that weird of a movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's more of yeah maybe a better way to put it is that the normies would think this is weird but they would think of under the skin and eraser head as insane or psychotic yes. or dangerous in some way yeah or like like, like challenging like in a way that's like existentially challenging to them like in the sense of like this is something that's like it's it's beyond off putting yeah whether and they can it, admit it or not it is ex an existential challenge to them yes <laughs> exactly and whereas with this i don't think it's that i think about netflix like netflix bought this mm -hmm. so like yeah. even like they're looking at being like okay it's weird but it's not too weird because like, people are gonna watch it yep yeah netflix ain't buying under the skin for 50 million dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's i guess we should say there's like a there's a a commercial ability to this that there isn't to like probably the rest of the series in the in the pure cinematic series. Mm, mm -hmm. Definitely, I think, I think I think that's probably what makes this so unique in a way as a cinematic is just how commercial it is. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Like you have like hot popular actors: Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, uh, Oscar Isaac, mm -hmm. 
bed it's long and yeah. <laughs> in a hazmat suit yeah <laughs> in a hazmat suit and, and i think that's what it is there is that level of just like you know there's just enough sugar in the medicine to make it go down yeah yeah that's a good point so um yeah so like i would i would say i would do a late night movie for this okay yeah, I think I think I'm going to say yes as well. It deserves its place on the list. It's just um, a question of how long will it take until it actually gets chosen. <laughs> <laughs> like most cinema late night movies. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> every time, you know, for me, it's just spirited away or triplets of belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are just never off. They're just perpetually on. Exactly. And most people, I'm just like, oh, what do you want to watch this late night movie? And they're like, this, I guess, because you have it on. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> if that was if that was Rob at the end of uh, Annihilation. It's Oscar Isaac. He'd be showing his doppelganger how to uh, put Spirit of the Way all the time on. <laughs> Don't ever turn this off. <laughs> yeah, that line where in that the video of him before he blows himself up, he's like, if you get out of here, you got to find Lena. And he's like, okay, if it was me, it'd be like, when you get out of here, you got to watch Spirited Away. <laughs> <laughs> if it was me, it'd be like, you can never turn off the 18s music. Yeah. It stays on all the time. <laughs> oh, right on, right on. Where would we like to go next? Because we have our snacks and our pitch for donating money to start a Cinemodities uh, theater in a high school or something, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the Cinemodities. Like, I did imagine there's, there's a high school in... Uh, Anywhere, anywhereville, USA. And it's called the Cinemodities Auditorium. We've donated enough money to the school. They've given us an auditorium, and basically every spring and fall, we're allowed to designate what productions they put on. Oh yeah! And so last week we discussed our ideas for Under the Skin, and and very surprisingly had someone even auditioning for their role in Under the Skin in front of Zach's house. Um, so. Uh, I think this one for me, since I hadn't seen it before, only one viewing, it was a little tougher for me to think of certain play adaptation stuff, but I still gave it a shot. And I don't know if, if you have this one, Zach, you might have this one in your arsenal, but I'm going to go ahead and take it. Whenever our characters are in the shimmer on stage, we will have someone from the side, like an actual student, most likely visible, maybe like just half visible, like, you know, because of course we're talking about low budget adaptations. And the entire time our characters are in the shimmer, they're just constantly blowing bubbles at our <laughs> character. Because that's what it looks like to me. The shimmer looks like like an, a bubble or an oil spill on the you know when the the light refracts off of it and stuff like that, like a like a prism. And so I'm just imagining it's like how do we you know envision the shimmer in our play? We just have kids constantly blowing bubbles. <laughs> well, my suggestion for that is that we have um like we wrap the entire stage in like saran wrap. Oh, <laughs> like even like the like the front, so the people would have to be like the audience would be watching the play through Saran Wrap. Oh, oh, exactly. And like in the nice. uh, in obviously they'd be mic'd up so people could hear it. Throughout thing, oh yeah, that's what we do. We do like we do like it, like or not um not Saran Wrap, like a cellophane, something that you can see through, but it's going to distort things. Yes, like I, yeah, like a cell like a very oh. thin cellophane that's like colored. Okay, okay, yeah, I could I could see that for sure. And then would we? Would we have it so maybe this only covers like the central three quarters of the stage, and anytime there has to be a flashback or a flash forward, we like use the edges or something? I haven't thought that far out though, but sure, why not? Okay, because I I think in the play adaptation there should be even more flash forwards and flashbacks. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it should be it should be jarring. <laughs> I was tempted. I I I, I uh, left this idea because I know we're talking about low budget. Like we gave them the money to build the theater. We're not giving them the money to put this play on. That's all them. 
And so I was thinking, like, if they build, like, a, um, like, what's it, like, a Lazy Susan type of thing where they could just, like, spin the set around for the different <laughs> flash forwards and flashbacks. And literally they have to do it so fast between cuts that, like, the set pieces are falling over and, like, the, the, the kids are falling over because they're, and they're, like, holding on to the walls and stuff while spinning around. But, you know, I don't know if the high school would have something like that, especially if they just got this new theater department. But there, there's potential for, for how quickly they can cut between present, past, and future in this film. <laughs> yes. But no, the, the scenes I have in mind, I think, without a doubt, you need to have the uh, man-bear-pig scene. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you have to have a student in the costume just charging people and making the screaming sound. Oh, so, like, no, like, overdubbing, like, just this kid gets to do the screeches? Oh yeah, like there's one kid. Okay. Like, I don't know. like I don't know. You pick a kid that really knows how to do it just right, and you put him like in a giant like Ardvar costume, and he goes around <laughs> the stage making the noise. <laughs> okay, I like that. So the other scene that I was definitely thinking of for the play adaptation is the featureless doppelganger scene at the end. Oh yeah, and and I was thinking like right off the bat when I watched it, and I was thinking of the play adaptation. I was like, okay, they can get a kid to put one of those like full body suits on like the green man suit from it's always sunny in Philadelphia, or I don't know what they're called. There's probably an official name for them, but it's the giant onesie. That's all the same color and it covers your face and every part of your body. Like they could definitely get a gray, one of those or silver and have a kid dress up on it in it. And he would be like the featureless doppelganger or the copycat, I should say. But then my brain immediately went towards I would want them to put this scene on with absolutely no rehearsal. So the, the copycat aspect is just the worst thing you've ever seen. Like, you can tell that the kids are trying to copy each other, but they are failing at it miserably. <laughs> that, was my, that was my envision. Yeah, sure. For some reason, I was like, I thought of this like last night or the other day, and I was just laughing hysterically, <laughs> thinking about being like one of those kids' parents watching them in the audience going like, oh my God, is this intentional? I didn't see <laughs> practice this scene once. He didn't even tell me he was going to wear a suit like this. <laughs> I think it's even better if they practice a lot and it doesn't and make still it bad. Any- and because the person wearing the giant like ones he can't see. Cause he- <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I think that like, I like the idea. I like the idea of them practicing for weeks, but the person in the onesie does not like have to wear the onesie for the practice. Then the day of like the production has to wear it. So it's all the weeks of practice go right out the window. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Okay. I like that. Yes. As long Same as result, but different looks, prelude. Yeah. As long as it looks terrible on the night it premieres, that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Oh, that's great. That's great. I like that. Um, other than that, for the play adaptation, I think there were just, you know, some, some certain things where I think that they could recreate greatly. Like there's that, what the, uh, after the shark crocodile attacks, them, oh, yeah. they get on, they get on the boats and they start like paddling somewhere. And there's a, there's a few shots with Natalie Portman talking to the other scientist where I'm just like, I can't tell for sure, but it looks like the fakest paddling I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. And and so they, you could get some great, you know, put some kids in a boat and have them fake paddle their hearts out. It'll be great. <laughs> oh God. Okay. But my question is that like, how are you going to do certain scenes like the phosphorus grenade blowing up or the, like the Jackson Pollock combined with the Picasso of the guy against Ooh. like the pool wall. See, that's a good one. The, the guy who gets uh, the death metal album cover. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's a good point. See, I actually was going to pitch something for the phosphorus grenade that could be used in this play for the Cinemodities restaurants as well. Oh. And so I think there's, I guess, I guess these things are just going to blend together now because I think that it works both great in both scenarios. Something we haven't talked about for the Cinemodities restaurant, and correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, I don't think it's ever come up. What are we going to do when patrons have birthdays? Oh. How are we, we going to embarrass them? And so my idea is when it's someone's birthday, we're going to go to their table, the waiters and waitresses, and maybe Nelson De La Rosa, you know, won't punch them in the nuts on their birthday or something. Who knows? But they're going to go to the table. They're going to get the birthday boy or girl, and they're going to take them to a spot on the wall and make them sit down cross-legged, just like Oscar Isaacs in the end of Annihilation on the videotape. <laughs> And we're going to give them something that looks like a grenade. And we're going to be like, you're going to pull this and you're going to sit against the wall here. And it's going to blow up into an insane amount of glitter and confetti. <laughs> like it's going to be a confetti glitter bomb, but like you have never seen before. Like it'll probably hurt people. Like be like, don't point this near your face when you open it. Like point it up, you know. But so that would be how we celebrate um, birthdays at the Cinemodies restaurant. We'd have this giant glitter bomb, basically, that we make kids sit at a special spot against the wall to to use, and that's their kind of big surprise. So for the play, I, I think the same thing could work. Yeah, I like that. I can get behind that. Instead, maybe like it's almost like a glitter in like body paint. So like it leaves like a mark. Like that's what you when you go to the Cinemodies restaurant, you go to this wall, it explodes with glitter and paint. It leaves like a mark on the wall that's in the shape of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm even thinking now, like, we could be glitter and, and not just paint, but, like, those those ink packets they put in bank bags. <laughs> so, they like, it's really difficult to come off. So, when they know when people are, like, stealing money and stuff like that, like, like the kid will be stained blue for, for weeks. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That works, too. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. For the restaurant, we do that for the restaurant. Okay, for the play, it'll just be some some maybe glitter confetti, make it reflect red, make it look like fire or something. <laughs> Shoot it out all over the audience. So even the like, oh, I got well, fucking glitter on me for your damn play. I don't even want to come to this thing. <laughs> no, the, fr the first like three rows have like the Gallagher plastic like 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 sheet that you don't get. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess God. I guess for the play also after the um the second phosphorus grenade goes off and and the the shimmer dies, you know, there's those, those glass trees that all come yeah. down. It's like, do we just have like, like a bucket of broken glass shards <laughs> and we throw them onto the audience as well and be like, it's immersive. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. The poor, the poor uh, lead actress is uh, Natalie Portman gets like cut with glass. So this is like, ah! like, like by the second time, like the second night, it's like, I don't want to go. It's kind of like the, uh, under the skin thing. It's like, I don't want to go out. Yeah. it's like you're gonna do it and you're gonna like it it's like the stuff you gave me to protect me doesn't even work and it's like it's cut resistant not cut through. that's all we could afford <laughs> oh good 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 oh that's great the annihilation moment would be fun it's not as good as under the skin the under the skin one definitely lends something more to uh the imagination but yeah. uh, this would be pretty good. Like, like they also like get, like someone like capture like they need like the like the the zombie I don't know call it zombie but like the mutated deer and what it is it's legit somebody like captured a deer in their backyard that morning and like taped some like Dollar Tree like uh, ornamentation to its antlers. Yeah, it runs just it runs it knocks over the set it like runs into the crowd. <laughs> 
there, there's a, a force. There was no, there's no intermission planned for this play, but one is going to have to happen while we wait for animal control to show up. <laughs> At one point, if animal control doesn't show up in time. So it's like, excuse me, you by the door. Can you just open it and let the deer out? <laughs> oh, you hear someone in the background. Oh, crap, we're going to have to capture it again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, as soon as it runs out of the door, be like, oh, wait, no, we need it again. <laughs> well, that's part of the thing. Part of the performance is whoever plays like Natalie Portman has to like has like a trank gun. It has to like oh, shoot it quick, has to hunt <laughs> it. So it's available for the next performance the following night. Oh, right on. Right so on your role. Like when you get like cast as Natalie Portman, you have dual roles. You have to act and you have to be able to use a trank gun to make sure you make sure that we use our um, uh, they, you capture our, our living prop. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm thinking. Whatever you know, high school takes this money for annihilation. They're gonna be like, okay. You know, we have a, a a role for our students. We need a strong female character that can appear in this play, get cut up by shards of glass, and hunt every night before <laughs> we we have to perform. So it's like, who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> Maybe someone from the ROTC club. That's the best possible thing to put on your resume if you're in the theater club, right? That you did yeah. all that stuff in high school. <laughs> yeah, for the Cinemides, uh, Cinemides Theater. Yeah, look at that. It's going to become like, um, I don't know any famous, you know, I'm thinking of like Juilliard is the famous music school. I don't, mm. I don't know any famous acting schools, but I'm imagining where it's like, you know, if you have credentials from the Cinemides Theater when you send your, uh, your resume, your CV, your transcripts to your your colleges for acting that you're looking at, they're going to hold you in higher regard. <laughs> We're going to become like a, a, a certification that high school theaters need to pro provide better futures for their acting students. Simonides, we are the uh, the high school equivalent of of the actor studio. Yes. <laughs> It would have some crazy combined name like Cinemata Certification or Cinematification or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Making waves in the industry, folks. Breaking new ground. Um, so, yeah. So, moving on to the Cinemata's restaurant. I know what I want is my um, snack or meal or okay. menu item. What we're going to do. I don't think we've had it on the Cinemata's restaurant so far. Do we have any calamari? Oh, I don't believe so. So my thing is we have calamari, but it's served like you know like when you do like like if, like you like, attend a CPR class, they give mm -hmm. you like that dummy that you can like press on like yeah. do, like all the stuff. You we get one of those, but we serve the calamari inside the stomach compartment. Oh. And part of the thing is having to in order to access it though, you have to cut open the middle, and then your calamari's inside. Oh, oh. Oh, God, Zach, I love this idea so much. <laughs> One, because I absolutely love calamari. But two, because that is such a fantastic delivery system for it. And I'm even thinking because I know in a lot of Italian restaurants where I've had calamari, it's often served with a uh, uh, like a marinara type sauce. Yeah. So we could have it so that what you you have to cut open the stomach to get to it, and as you're cutting it open, like the marijuana sauce is 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 spurting out as if it was blood, and so it's like you have the condiment and the calamari in the same delivery system. Oh, it's beautiful, Zach. I love it. Exactly, and also for a small fee, we'll videotape it for you. <laughs> yes a, a small fee i'm doing air quotes <laughs> and then when like and at one point maybe depending if there's the deluxe version where we'll have like it like a animatronic 
one of like the dummy where it starts oh. freaking out and you tell it shh, shh, it's all right as you continue to keep cutting it open oh yeah where it like it very you know uh exhaustedly says like stop like please stop and you just you pat it on the head and you just keep hacking away <laughs> at it oh yeah <laughs> that's a deluxe version though and you know now now that you bring that up the way that that video well, well i was about to say the way that video ends we don't get to see the way the video ends because of what we talked about previously but there's that shot that that we get to see of oscar isaac's like Washing his hands of blood in just oh, yeah. the shallow pool of water. No sinks in the Cinematogy's restaurant. Just shallow <laughs> pools of water. You have, to, you have to wash your hands in. That is like never recycled. And there's just knives laying on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's good. Or is that just the kids section bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh God! I feel like you know. Honestly, I feel that being said, you ever been to the, one of those restaurants where they have like troughs for sinks? You ever seen that, Zach? Yeah. That that's that's the next step is just a shallow pool of water that never gets recycled. <laughs> the troughs have always weirded me out a little bit. I'm not sure why, because they have faucets and stuff. It's not like it's an actual trough with just a thin layer of water on the bottom that I'm dealing with. But I think we're getting there as a society. They're just going to be like, there. here's some here's some standing water. Wash your hands in that. <laughs> Like, like a third world country no i mean they're just what are they they're banning straws now they're gonna yes. ban water and then they're gonna ban everything else and and all we're gonna have left is just knives to wash our hands with <laughs> oh, this dear. is my nostradamus-esque prediction for this week of cinematics <laughs> it's gloom and doom folks that's where annihilation gets you yes Okay, I, I really do like that, Zach, though. That, that calamari delivery system is awesome. Um, would it have a name? Do you have a name for it? Or would it be like calamari in stomach or like calamari a la intestines? Or I don't know, any anything? Did you think of that? Yeah, it's called just a trick of the light. A trick of the light. Perfect. <laughs> it might have it. good seafood here. Yeah, it's, the, it's a trick of the light. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's Annihilation. Yeah, the, the one other thing I had for snack, the phosphorus grenade glitter body paint bomb thing, that was my big one. But I also, I think because I've said it before, whenever we go into these weird worlds or dimensions or prisms now uh, where we get different types of creatures, we got to get those creatures, slaughter them up, cook them up, and see what they taste like. So okay. uh, the, the croca gator shark thing, the, the, the flower. Well, I don't, think, I don't think the flower girl is edible because she turns into bark or something. But the, the bear that screams, man bear pig that screams, like, this, this has got to be some tasty meat, you know? <laughs> Especially if, if some of these meats are good on their own and then you genetically combine them. Uh, there's your next Nostradamus S prediction. We're going to start getting that. We're going to get like horse slash cow meat in a few years. You could buy at your grocery store. <laughs> I want some shark gator. Shark gator, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a sci-fi movie next, and then it'll be on your meat meat section shelves. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was my last one. We have to always eat the new animals we encounter because that's just the human condition. Good, good. <laughs> All right, Rob, where do we go from here? Well, um, I think uh, I do want to say, since this whole episode started by saying we had a pure cinemodity that I had never seen before, we are reversing things next week, and 
we are talking about a pure cinemodity that Zach has never seen before. So we'll see if uh, see how much arguing goes on if he actually decides it's not a pure cinemodity, and we'll see if that episode even gets released. So see what happens next week, kids. <laughs> but how are we going to end this week's episode? Well, this one I think we just have the the great annihilation musical sting that we can play ad nauseum in reverse, right? <laughs> if you have already heard it a million times already, you're going to hear it a million times in reverse. Yeah, and maybe throw in some man bear pig screams in reverse to, you know, as some garnish or something. I think that'll sound good. Yeah. It'll sound more cacophonous than I think something we've played backwards in a while, so that's always good. That's what our audience likes, you know. I imagine that there's some people who are like, oh, I love cinemodities, you know, I, I, their episodes come out, I throw them on at night, I fall asleep, the episode ends, it wakes me back up because it's so raucous, <laughs> the cycle <laughs> is complete. <laughs> <laughs>